Show of hands, I can't see, the lights are brighter than normal. How many of you thought we were starting the service with Thunderstruck, be honest? <laughs> Some of you, what's, what's wrong? Why would we do that? Why would you guys think that? This is Christmas, that's... <laughs> that's good to see everybody here this morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. We are going to briefly look at Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. It's a story that you have heard. I would bet, um, you know, something... Um, that everybody in the room has heard this story read multiple times, but it's, it, is, it is a story about the glory of God, the good news of the gospel, the rescue of man, the plot of the world, the hope of the world. It's all wrapped up into these verses we're going to look at today, briefly, quickly. It's going to be a Christmas miracle. It's not going to take very long. We're going to just go ahead. No need to clap. That's offensive and hurts my feelings. So... Let's look at it. Luke chapter 2. Let's pray and then we'll look at it. We need to be more spiritual. Lord, thank you for uh, today. God, thank you for letting us gather um, in your name, Lord. Gather in your presence. Gather around uh, the good news that the earth has a rescuer, that we have a rescuer and a savior, that there is light for those who dwell in the darkness and hope for those who are in despair, forgiveness for those who are guilty, God. Um, a promise for those who are waiting. This is what we celebrate today, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the rescue. Um, God, thank you for your glory. We pray you be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 2. Let's start reading in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which, by the way, the word Bethlehem means house of bread. It's, it's three Hebrew words put together in one, the house of bread, the bread um, of life was born in the house of bread. So they went to Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Caesar Augustus was the Roman uh, emperor at this time. You know what Caesar is. It's the title of the Roman emperor. Augustus wasn't a name. It was a title, pretty much a self-given title. And it means this. Augustus means exalted one. So, so Caesar the exalted one. This was the title that he gave to himself. Caesar decides that he wants to count his marbles. He wants to know just how much he rules. He wants to know just how many subjects he has. And so he decrees that the entire world should be registered. Now, this was the entire world that they knew of. Of course, they weren't going to cross an ocean to count or anything like that. But as far as they were concerned, the entire world was Caesar's. Everywhere he went, everywhere he sent his soldiers, that was his place, he thought, because he is the exalted one. He was, by anyone's account, the most powerful man in the whole world, he thought. So the man who thinks he's the most powerful man in the whole world does a decree, and he wants to know, how many subjects do I have exactly? How well am I doing? Let's do some tallying here and see. Meanwhile... As a result of that decree and as a result of that registration, a poor family, uh, a man and a woman who have all sorts of rumors going around about them, 
all kinds of speculation about what kind of people they might be, uh, about what sort of morality they might have. They make their way to Bethlehem, and it's time for a baby to be born. Mary is ready to give birth, so they go to try to find a place at an inn, and there's no room in the inn for them. So instead, they find a manger, a place where animals would have been fed, and there the baby is born. There Jesus, the Lord of all creation, is born. So on that night, the most powerful man in the world was not sitting in Rome on a throne. The most powerful man in the world was laying in the filth of a Bethlehem manger. Anybody who would have looked at the scene that night, anybody, you you could have given anybody a civics test and said, who is the most powerful man in the world? And every single person without exception would have pointed and said, it's Caesar. But it wasn't Caesar, it was Jesus. The most powerful man in the world was born in a stable in Bethlehem. So here's what I think that might mean for us this Christmas morning. There might be something going on in your life that is absolutely ruling you. You might look and say, that's the thing that's ruling me and I can't get free from it. Maybe there's some sin that's just dominating you or fear or guilt or shame or some decree maybe that's been given about you. Maybe somebody's just declared, this is you, this is who you're going to be, and this is who you are. But because of Christmas, because of the birth of Christ, the one that seems to be ruling over you doesn't have to rule over you anymore. The Savior has come, the King of the world has come to set you free to live for Him. When it appears as though something is in charge other than Jesus, it isn't so. Jesus rules and he reigns because he came to save us. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were very rightly filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the Messiah is born and the Lord sends the angels to make the announcement. Who are they going to go tell, right? Because this is what all of history has been moving towards. All of history has been moving towards this moment. In fact, the New Testament calls it the fullness of time. When the fullness of time had come, Mary gave birth to Jesus. So this moment that all of the world had been moving towards, this thing that all of, all of creation hinges on really is here. So who is God going to send the angel to tell? (laughs) Who gets to be the first one to know? Is it, you know, a king or is it somebody who's just really upright or somebody who's really generous or kind or whatever? It's shepherds, ordinary shepherds out in the field. Shepherding was just a very normal job. It wasn't a glamorous job. It wasn't the worst job in society. It was just a really, really normal, ordinary, go-to-work kind of job. And these are the people that the angels declare to first, the Messiah is born. There's good news of great joy. The Savior is here. It doesn't even tell us their names. <laughs> I don't know how many of them there were, but we don't even get like, there. was it Peter or John or Melchizedek or, or Norm? What were, you know, who were they? The Bible doesn't even tell us. And I think that's the whole point. We don't know their names, but God knew their names. 
We have no idea what they looked like or men, women, how old they were. We don't know any of that stuff. But God knew. God saw them sitting out there in the dark. And God sends the angelic host to these very ordinary people to tell them that the Son of God has come. So the message of Christmas is not just for people who attend church this morning. It's not just for people who grew up in a Christian home. It's not just for any particular looking kind of person. Um, It's just for very ordinary people like you and me. The Savior has come for us, for shepherds, for average people. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherd's story is very much our story. That what happened for them, if you're a believer, is very much what has happened for you. They were just sitting in the dark out there, and the light shone on them. They were, they were just, just camped out in darkness. They weren't searching for God. They weren't particularly spiritual, probably. They were just average people. They weren't, you know, on some deep existential quest trying to discover the meaning of life. They were sitting in the dark, and the glory of God found them. The glory of God shone on them. If you are a believer, that's exactly what has happened to you. Exactly what's happened. You listen to what Colossians says. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Or, or 2 Corinthians, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Or Peter, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is what has happened to us if you know Jesus. You know Jesus because Jesus came to you in your darkness Jesus came to you and the light of his glory shone on you. You would have never seen it on your own. And then a triumphant announcement was made to him. Look at verses 10 and 11. The angels, I mean the shepherds, they get it. They really understand it. So, verses 10 and 11. The angels said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. That's gospel. That's the word gospel. I bring you good news, an accomplishment, a victory. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born in this day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Savior is present. And then they understand it. Look at verse 15. They recap the message. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. That's that's what makes Christianity different than everything else. That's what makes... Christianity and the gospel different than every other world religion. Every other world religion or every cult says, here's a, here's a guideline. Live this way, and then perhaps in the end you'll get to go to heaven or nirvana or bliss or whatever it is. 
uh, keep the right rules, follow the right procedures, walk the right path, and then in the end, perhaps there'll be a door there and you get to open the door and you get to go through the right door. The gospel says something has happened in history. The Son of God has come and he has accomplished something that earns salvation for all who will trust in him. He has purchased something. He's completed something. There's nothing left to be added to what he has done so that now all we have to do, like a gift, is receive it and trust in Jesus, and it's done. So the angels say, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. That's the heart of the gospel. There's something done that's happened. And then they say, which the Lord has made known to us. Again, if you're here today and you're a believer, it's because Jesus did something and then he made it known to you. Somebody came to you and announced to you that Jesus has done something. There is an accomplishment. Jesus was born, he lived a sinless, perfect life, he died on a cross and he rose again. And now because of all of that, you can receive him and have eternal life. That's us. An announcement made to us of what's happened so that if we would trust in Jesus, we would have new life Tim Keller talks about this this way. He says, Christmas is about receiving presents, but consider how challenging it is to receive certain kinds of gifts. Some gifts, by their very nature, make you swallow your pride. Imagine opening a present on Christmas morning from a friend, and it's a dieting book. Then you take off another ribbon and wrapper, and you find it is another book from another friend, Overcoming Selfishness. If you say to them, thank you so much, you are in a sense admitting, for indeed I am fat and obnoxious. <laughs> it's like it's tailor-made. In other words, some gifts are hard to receive because to do so is to admit you have flaws and weaknesses and you need help. Perhaps on some occasion you had a friend who figured out you were in financial trouble and came to you and offered a large sum of money to get you out of your predicament. If that's ever happened to you, you probably found that to receive the gift meant swallowing your pride. That's the way this gift works too. You see, Christmas means that we were so far from God, we were so hopeless and so helpless on our own, the darkness around us was so dark that we could never get out of it on our own, and so the only way for us to be free, the only way for us to be forgiven, the only way for us to find the life that is truly life was for God himself to enter into our story, to take on flesh so that he could go to a cross as a man and pay for the sins of men. So, it's the only way we could be saved. Christmas tells us this is how bad you were but this is how much you're loved. This is what God has done for you. This is the value that God places on you. This is the gift that there is to be received. So like the shepherds, we were sitting in the dark and the light shone on us. A triumphant announcement was made to us. They go and they see Jesus for themselves. And upon seeing him, they have to tell other people. So when you see the glory of God, when you see Jesus, it changes everything for you. When you see Jesus, it is, it is incumbent on us to go and tell other people about him. When you receive this gift, you, you, we have to share it. We can't keep it to ourselves, right? We do a lot, but we, we shouldn't. We have to tell other people, like the shepherds, they saw him, they put their eyes on him, they knew that it had happened, they knew that the promises of God had been kept, and so now they go and they tell other people. That is the call for us this Christmas. That's the commission for us this Christmas. Not just to receive the gift, but to take it and share it with other people. This coming year, if we don't do anything else as a church, if not one more seat is full next year than, than this year, but we go and tell people about what Jesus has done, 
then we will have been a very successful church by this time next year and a very obedient church by this time next year. You receive the gift and you tell. And then look what they do at the very end. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen as it had been told them. They went back to work. These ordinary people went back to their ordinary lives, but nothing would ever be the same. Nothing would ever be the same. When you encounter Jesus, when you see what God has done for you in Christ, your life, you may walk out of here today and it looks just like going back to the sheep that you left. Um, It looks just like it did before, but nothing is the same. Other people may see it and they're like, you still seem to have a pretty average life with pretty average struggles and pretty average whatever, but nothing is the same when you meet Jesus. What if this Christmas, every single one of us, as we went back to what we came from, we went back trusting in Jesus, hoping in Jesus, knowing Jesus, receiving the forgiveness of Jesus. What would happen if we did that? My hope this morning is that you wouldn't just come and be like, oh, this is nice, it's traditional and sentimental, and we sang some songs and we heard the story. My hope is that if you don't know Jesus, you would call on him today. You would receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ today. What better time to do that than this morning where we're focusing on the very reason why he came, you, (laughs) you, us, to bring glory to God by saving sons and daughters for the Father. Receive Jesus today if you don't know him. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for this gift. Thank you for your grace. We are those who dwell in darkness apart from you. We are those who are hopeless and helpless apart from you, God. We are those in despair apart from you. And so, Lord, we are so grateful for the gift of Jesus. God, we treasure what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that this morning your glory would be seen and enjoyed by every person here. Lord, I pray that we would leave here today with our hearts tuned into you in a way that they weren't before. God, help us not to let this holy moment pass us by. Instead, God, help us to respond to you, to live for you. Help us to be like the shepherds and tell other people about you, Lord. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.